long to stand, feel free to be seated. Don't, don't feel you have to stand the whole time if, you're, if you get tired. Today we're continuing our series, Invisible, a sermon series on spiritual warfare. If anyone doubts we are at war, just read the news, watch the news reports, different channels telling the same news from different worldviews and values. It appears to be political wars, wars of ideas, culture wars, value wars, wars over traditional marriage, abortion, women's rights, sexual identity, socialism versus capitalism, immigration, gun rights. You go on and on and on. There's a battle going on in our country today. And even though this warfare works its way out in the realm of ideas, politics, values, and rights, the real battle is invisible. It's invisible. It's the invisible war. It's the spiritual war. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. First Peter 5 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour you. There's a war. There's a war out there. And we have an opponent, the devil, or Satan. Now, we know that God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. But Satan has an obvious influence and a powerful presence in our world today. We asked last week, what does God allow Satan to do? What are the indications of a spiritual attack? In other words, how do we know the devil is responsible for this? That's the question. And what are our weapons of warfare? How do we fight? What do we have in our arsenal to fight in the heavenly realm? Some people deny that Satan has any power, or they try to minimize his role in history and the affairs of people. And the Bible teaches us to worship God. We are to worship God, an all-powerful God, but to be aware of Satan. Worship God, but be aware of Satan. These six sermons that we go through are going to be on this very relevant and important topic. And again, if you're going to be absent any Sunday, I urge you to go on our website online and if there's a tab that says miss a message or listen online, you can listen to any one of those messages online on your smartphone, on your iPad, on your computer, whatever device you have. And at the end of the service, I am making Notes available, by the way, they're under the bulletins back there. Uh, all the notes at the usher stand at the end of the service. And if you're listening online and you want the notes, you can just email our church office, office at ecwesleyan.net, and ask for the notes to be sent to you, and we will mail those out to you or email them to you. Now, as we begin this series and continue this series on sp spiritual warfare, be warned, okay, just be warned, as we begin to learn and start to practice our God-given responsibilities, our giftings, and the power that we have, the enemy is going to become angry and may even attack you personally. Just be aware. When we start studying these things, be aware Satan may begin to attack you personally. The material we cover is all from the Bible, the Word of God. Some of the material I share today is gleaned from a book, Spiritual Warfare for Every Christian by Dean Sherman. And today we're going to talk about Satan's plan or Satan's strategy. Then we're going to look at the three battlegrounds. Where, where, where does this spiritual battle take place? What is the location of this conflict? 
Next Sunday, we're going to look at spiritual authority, how it was lost and how it was regained, and the biblical basis of our moral authority and our power to act. Today, we're going to look at the three battlegrounds, the three battlegrounds. Now, most of us know this fact. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. How many of you have heard that before? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Very true. This is a great positive and a biblical statement. And many of us have discovered the truth of that statement. God loves you and has a great plan, a wonderful plan for your life. Conversely, there is another statement that is equally true, and that is Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. God loves you, Satan hates you, he has a horrible plan for your life. What a negative statement, but it's true. Now, we in America naively thought for many years that everybody around the world loved America and loved Americans. They supported our ideals, values, and our lifestyle. And on September 11, 2001, it shattered that illusion. And we came to the realization that we have an enemy whose goal is to destroy America. The radical Islamic terrorists, their goal is to destroy us. Unapologetically, they hate us and they want to get rid of us. Destruction. In the same way, spiritually, many times we live in this naive world, the naivety of this, this, our heads stuck in the sand, not realizing that we also have an enemy, Satan, who's out to destroy us. He wants to destroy us. Now, let's look at some background very quickly. Don't have a lot of time to go into this, but um, we'll look at some background. A long time ago, no one knows exactly how long for sure, God created beings called angels. God created beings called angels. Angels were immortal beings created by God to guard his interests and to carry out God's will. That's why they were created. They were created sometime before the creation of human beings. They predate human beings. In Job 38, 7, it says, while the morning stars sang together, all the angels shouted for joy. And that's a description of the praises of angels to God when the earth was created. They were around and they, they were watching this creation called earth and all that's happened. They said they shouted for joy to God. Now, according to the scriptures, one angel, probably the best and brightest, most talented, named Lucifer, became proud and attempted a coup in heaven. God removed him for his rebellion, and we believe about one-third of all angels followed him. Now, those are estimations. We're not sure exactly, but that's, that's basically what happened. Pride followed by rebellion created what we know today as Satan, meaning adversary. Adversary. A spiritual angelic being who is in rebellion against God, trying to destroy any and all good of God's creation. That's history. He's trying to destroy any and all of the good of God's creation, and that includes you, okay? Includes you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. He's after you. Just made that. So let's start with Satan's plan, Roman numeral one. Satan's plan. Satan's plan for all of us as people, human beings, is destruction. It's destruction. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
Ephesians 6.12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The word struggle in that verse is very personal. It denotes a one-to-one wrestling, wrestling engagement, a wrestling match. This isn't a standoff shoot war or whatever. This is when it says our struggle, it's a, it's a one-on-one wrestling match fighting to the death. That's what that is. That's what that word means. A personal battle to the finish. And it's an ongoing fight. It's a continuous fight. We'll talk more about the various powers in the next few weeks. And in 2 Corinthians 2.11 it says, In order that Satan may not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We need to be aware of his schemes. What is he doing? How does he do it? Now, as much as all of us would like to avoid conflict or confrontation, we really are not left with a choice. Most of us like, like peace. I don't know about you, most of us don't like conflict. We don't get up in the morning and say, I can find out who I can conflict with today. I'm gonna... No, we like peace. We don't like confrontation. We want to stay away from battles. And sometimes we think in this battle with Satan, we say, maybe if I just ignore him, he'll go away. Or, or maybe I can appease him, or I, as long as they don't talk about it. And we forget that Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's just not going to go away. He's not going to just go away. And again, we need to be aware. Last week, last Sunday, we need to be aware. Not alarmed. We need to be aware. We need to be aware of our enemy, but impressed with God. Okay? Always keep that in mind. But we must always be aware, not afraid. So what what is Satan's plan? Letter A, number one is, is to steal. He wants to steal. Satan wants to steal our health. Our joy, our peace, our confidence, our sense of well-being, our productivity, our time, our faith, our strength, our talent, our money. Anything positive and good, Satan wants to steal it from you. Anything to steal it. What did our enemy, Osama bin Laden, do through 9-11? He stole our peace. Stole our peace. Disrupted people's sense of security and well-being. Replaced confidence with, with, with fear. Uncertainty replaced joy. And I don't, I don't know if you remember those idyllic times before we go to the airport and get on the plane. Now it's like, you know, I'm going to be searched and I'm going to be whatever. And we're looking, all these armed people around looking for somebody that's going to down a plane. That all happened. He robbed us of our peace and sense of well-being. Well, Satan wants to steal from you, too. That's his plan. He wants to steal anything good from you. Satan will also, let her be, kill, kill. Satan will kill any way he can. He'll kill literally, spiritually, and physically. Anything to do with death, anything to do with death has his endorsement. Euthanasia, abortion, violent crime, Mass shootings, stabbings, drownings, the murder of all forms. Suicide, thoughts like, I wish I'd never been born, or life is not worth living. I think I'll end my misery or pain. That all comes from the devil. He's, he endorses death, death. Or it can be slow death, slow death through drugs, alcohol, or disease. 
It, it could be the abuse of the body, sexual promiscuity, sexually transmitted diseases like AIDS, slow forms of suicide or self-destruction, drugs, alcohol, addiction to tobacco or smoking, food addictions, anorexia, bulimia, any abuse of our bodies, he endorses it. That's what he's into. He wants to kill. Satan is into death. And in a spiritual sense, he's into death because spiritual death means separation from God. And he doesn't want us to be connected with God. Anything to do with death, he's there to kill. And let us see, he's out to destroy. Satan and his demons are all about destruction. They will try to destroy your marriage. Try to destroy good relationships, relationships with your children, your parents, your friends and families, your finances, your ministry. He'll destroy whatever he can, whatever good you have. Satan's goal is destruction and devastation. And you look at a lot of things that are happening in our country today, and it's very obvious that he's having his way, destroying many, many things. Don't have time to go into that. Satan has all the exact opposite characteristics of God. God is love. Satan, hate. God, faith. Satan, unbelief. God, generosity. Satan, greed. God, encouragement. Satan, sarcasm. God, life. Satan, death. What happens when Satan has his way? We've seen it in history, Nazi Germany, Stalin's Russia, the devaluing of human life, the murder of six million Jews. And by the way, there were three million Christians killed in that same time. Destruction of an entire European continent. We have seen, whether it's Idi Amin, we've seen Rwanda, we've seen all these things where Satan wants to kill and destroy. Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's look at the three battleground areas. Roman numeral two, three battleground areas. It all starts with letter A, the mind, the mind. In 2 Corinthians 4, three through four it says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Blinded the eyes of the minds. Minds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. There's a huge battle in the realm of the mind. The realm of the mind. Our thoughts originate typically from three sources. Three sources, number one is myself. A thought originates in our own minds. God created us with the ability to think and to originate thoughts. So thoughts originate from us. Thoughts also originate from number two, God. God, God can speak to our minds through the Bible, the Word of God, which we know the most common and most reliable way to hear from God. He also speaks directly through revelation or guidelines. His Holy Spirit can speak to our minds and he can, 
His Holy Spirit can speak to our spirit. God communicates to us. He speaks to us. And thoughts come out of that. Thoughts can also originate from, number three, Satan. Satan. Satan or demons can put thoughts in our minds. An extreme example of the, of the, of the man who said, God told me to kill my wife and children. That didn't come from him. That came directly from Satan. God would never tell someone to kill their wife and children. Satan would. He's into death. He'll, he, he will speak to people and tell them to do that. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That can include a lot of things. But things taught by demons, things put into our minds by Satan. Paying attention and giving heed to deceiving spirits or doctrines of, of demons, ideas, or thoughts from Satan's sources. Now, I do not believe that, that, that Satan can read our minds. Some people think, oh no, he's gonna read my mind. No, I don't think he can read our minds. Only God can do that. Psalm 7, 9 says, oh righteous God who searches minds and hearts. He can't read our minds, but he can put suggestions in our minds. Now, how do I know that? Well, if you look at Luke 4, the temptation of Jesus Christ, remember, Satan came and tempted Jesus, and he put thoughts in his mind. He made suggestions. Jesus was tempted. He made thoughts and suggestions into his mind. In Matthew 16, where Peter argued with Jesus, telling it, he said Jesus was telling his disciples, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die and be resurrected on the third day. And Peter said, no way. There's no way you should be doing that. He says, it's not necessary for you to die, Jesus. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 16, 23? He turns around and says to Peter, very shocking passage. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. What? Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Why this rebuke? Peter, Peter was not demonized. He was not possessed. But evidently, Peter was speaking out a thought Satan had put in his mind. So he rebuked Satan and said, get thee behind me. So, so we know that Satan can put thoughts, minds, temptations, different things into our minds. Dean Sherman writes, most spiritual warfare takes place in the human mind. Human mind. It involves recognizing when a thought is not righteous or when it does not agree with God's truth. Not all evil thoughts are from Satan, but he will exploit them and he will add to them. So being aware, Satan can put thoughts in our mind. James 1, 13 to 14, it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after a desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So evil thoughts can originate from Satan. They can also originate from our own nature. Now, when we come to Christ, we give our life to Christ, we begin the journey of the sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, sanctification is that, that, that process that, that we will never be perfect until we uh, die and go to heaven, and then if we're in Jesus Christ, we'll be perfect. In between that time, there's, a, there's what's called the old, old man and the new man, the flesh 
and the Spirit. And there's a battle going on. There's always a battle going on. And we have to recognize, is this coming from the, my selfish desire? Is it coming from my flesh or is it coming from Satan? Wherever it is, I need to put it away. Recognize where it's coming from in our mind. There's a battle going on in the thought realm. And most of you would say, I know, I experience it every day. I have this battle going on in the thought realm. And that can come from suggestions from Satan. It can come from things inside of us because we're still human beings. We're not totally perfect yet. Maybe next week. No, that's whenever. So there's a battle going on. And it's critical to win in the thought realm because every action we take originates in the mind. Except for speech. Sometimes we speak without thinking, but that's a, different, that's a whole different thing. Now, there are some examples I want to give you. Number one is the imagination. Letter A is imagination. God created us to be creative. And the devil can fuel our imagination with falsehoods or evil thoughts. I don't know if you've ever said, where did that thought come from? You say, how, how did that come from? See, God intends for our imagination to be used for faith, not unrighteousness. Hope not doubt, good and not evil. A second example of our mind battle is, let her be truth in truth. We hear all the time today, and this has, been, this has permeated our educational system for, for the last 30, 40 years at least. I remember in high school, it was starting back then, that truth is relative. It's your truth and my truth. They're different truths. You have your truth, I have my truth. There's no absolute knowable truth. Well, let me tell you something. Truth has, has factual basis. There is truth. If there isn't truth, then gravity doesn't exist. You know, you may be limited by gravity. I don't believe in gravity. You know, you, you, can, make, you can play all kinds of games with that. There are facts and there are opinions. It's not my truth and your truth. There are facts and there are opinions. And I don't believe we can believe in God and our intelligent desire without really being honest. We have to be honest in that. I, I remember when my daughter, Brianna, um, was running track in high school and she injured her quad, her quad, quadricep muscle. And we took her to see a sports medicine specialist. And you know, I, I'd studied a little bit of anatomy in, in high school and college. I knew a little bit about it, but um, we went into the, into the, uh, the room, uh, exam room, and, and inside that sports medicine thing, he had a model, uh, a 3D model of the Knee, of the knee. Now the knee is a very complex joint. It's got this tendons and cartilage, and it's a very specific way the bones fit together, very complex joint. Those of you that are into medicine know that. You know that, you, you've seen that, you've studied the, the anatomy of the knee, and some of you have had knee replacements. Not quite as good as the original, but it, it's good, okay? But the, the knee, well, just look at the knee by itself. Who, in their right mind, could believe that that evolved out of necessity. You look at a design, that's like saying you take all the parts of a watch and you, you take it all apart and you throw it over there. And given enough time, it will assemble into a watch all by itself. That's evolution. And truth is one of those things that we have to hold to, truth. Now, one does not have to believe in God, but certainly they have to believe in an intelligent designer, that somebody designed it. Truth, there, there is truth. 
and the attacks will come in truth. And we must have the foundation and understanding of truth. Who says Jesus is the only way to God? Jesus did. Jesus did. Attacks on the mind in the realm of truth. And it all started in the Garden of Eden when Satan said to Eve, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of that tree? See, truth starts in the mind. Then attacks in the mind in the realm of morality, right and wrong. Right and wrong, good versus bad. Is there right, is there wrong? Is there good, is there evil? There's a pastor named Joe Wright who pastored a church in Kansas and he was asked to open a new session of the Senate with a prayer. And I want to I read his prayer. I want to read his prayer. It talks about what we've done with morality. He said, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good, but that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshiped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. And he said, search us, O God, know our hearts today, cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Right and wrong, tipped on its head, all over the place. Our nation, that's where it's at. The key word today, of course, everybody wants choice. Killing is called choice. Perversion, alternative lifestyle, depravity is called self-expression. Self-control is called unhealthy repression. Moral irresponsibility is called freedom. Vulgarity is called freedom of speech. Pornography is called adult entertainment. That was suggested to me once, and, and I, I just want to address this. When it comes to justifying pornography, so, uh, pornography on the internet, somebody said the pictures you know, pictures aren't real. They're, they're just digitized. In fact, they're just ones and O's, ones and zeros. It can't be wrong to look at ones and zeros, is it? What, what, what do you suppose that pornography's image is reduced to in our brains? Chemical reactions, nerve impulses. So what's wrong with that? Jesus said, if you look on someone in lust, desire is just as bad as the physical act. It doesn't matter if it's a picture or a person or whatever. It's still sin. Sin begins in the mind. And Jesus makes no distinction between a chemical reaction, a nerve impulse in the brain, and the real thing. Nor is there any distinction between a digitized image and the real thing. See, this is a battle. Justification. The battle is in the mind. The battle is in the mind. Morality. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. The battle in the mind, imagination, truth, morality. And letter D, religion. Religion is a battle. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We see a lot of this in the name of religion. Some of it evangelical Christian religion, supposedly. God exists for my benefit. He's there to bless me. I'm the center. I will create my own religion, thank you. We like syncretism. We like the different parts of God. Syncretism says I, I combine different parts of, of a religion or faith and make it mine. So I like the God of love. That's, that's, that's universal, so we're going to take the God of love. We, no, no, um, no wrath or destruction. We're just going to take the God of love that sends everybody to heaven. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, I kind of like reincarnation because then you get a second chance, you can come back and forth, you know. It's one of those things, so I, I uh, incorporate that. Um, the, this happens all throughout America today. You, you ask them, do you believe in God? 87% would say yes. When you talk about God being a universal spirit, it's, it's a lot higher, like 93%. But then you ask them about uh, religions. I posted something this week on, on Facebook about the incompatibility of all all gods are the same. One of the problems is, okay, all religions, they, they Muslim, the Muslim God and the Christian God, they're all the same. The problem with that is that, is that, uh, that we believe that Jesus is the only way. He is the way to God. He was the son of God. The Muslim belief in their scriptures, they believe you're a heretic if you believe, and you can go to hell if you believe Jesus was God. Okay, is there a disconnect there? It, is it the same God or not? You know, because people say, well, we all worship the same God. No, we don't worship the same God. Jesus is the way to God. Not any other God. It's Jesus. And, and we can play these games with our religion and create our own religion. And this battle in the minds, and for the minds and hearts of people in America today, they don't understand that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's not PC. It's not correct. Yeah. People, that sounds more like hate speech to me. It's crazy. Huge battleground. It's in the mind. The next is the heart, letter B. This is the realm of affections, attitudes, or emotions. Affections. Satan will try to steal your heart. What is your first love? Who or what do you love most? That's who or what do you love most? What's the most important thing to you in your affections? 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the world, the things in the world, money and possessions. Now, it doesn't say don't have possessions, don't have money, don't enjoy them. That's not what it says. The Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. I've, I've heard people say that. Isn't money the root of all evil? No. 
No. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The, root, the love of money, it's the, it's the heart, it's the affection, attitude towards money. Battle for the affection, and Satan's going to battle you for affections. What is number one in your life today, your heart? Number two, attitudes. We have to guard against the sins of action, yes, but sometimes we tolerate the sins of attitude. And you know what? Sins of attitude are easier to hide. <laughs> nobody can see my attitude. Well, we can see indications of it, perhaps. But uh, nobody, I can have a bad attitude and smile and nobody knows. Bad attitude. It's easier to hide. It's easier to justify. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, we looked at this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, a foothold. A bad attitude can give the devil a place, a, a foothold, a, an opportunity. If our attitude is such, a place of influence, a place of power, a place of control, attitude. And just as we are responsible for our actions, we are just as responsible to deal with our attitudes, attitudes. And thirdly, number three, emotions, emotions. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Satan loves to see our emotions out of control. Up, down, no stability. That has to do with the mind. Now we looked at the heart. Let's look at the most common one that we think about. Letter D, the mouth. The mouth. We use our mouth to proclaim truth, to encourage one another to speak love. Many do really well with this. They're encouragers, speak love. We also allow our mouths to become instruments of destruction at the hands of the devil. This is a huge, huge battleground. Huge battleground. Words are amazing tools. Proverbs says words can bring life or death, healing or destruction. Words have power. Let me just say that. Words have incredible power. In prayer, this amazing thing, we can pray here and thousands of miles away, people can be protected, healed, and saved. We prayed this morning for Lisa. She's in Green Bay. Our prayer here can have effect in Green Bay. You may pray for somebody overseas. It can have effect overseas. I mean, the prayer, words make a difference. And if we release supernatural power for good to help people, what kind of power is released when we complain, criticize, or gossip? Words have power. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And then James 3, 5 through 6 Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Whoa. Satan gets a hold of that tongue set on fire by hell. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a sermon in itself. We, we actually talked about this in one of the last Choose to Stand sermon series in Joshua, the rumor mill, the rumor mill. James 3.10 says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Wow, 
Wow. Cursing, gossip, and by the way, sometimes gossip is true, but it's still wrong. Just leave it there. So spiritual warfare, it's for real. It's for real. Three main battlegrounds, the mind, the heart, and the mouth. And if we consistently watch over our minds and hearts and mouth, submit our minds and hearts and mouths to God, the Holy Spirit, we will deny Satan access to the battlegrounds. So he cannot steal, kill, or destroy. Again, in all of this as we study, be aware, don't be alarmed. Jesus won already. He says, you have the victory. We take every thought captive to him. This series is to help us all become aware so we can win. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us ample scriptural opportunity to look at our, our mind, heart, and our mouths. And I just pray, God, that you would teach us anew every day what you want us to know. And Father, that, that you would help us to be aware, not alarmed. We don't want to be preoccupied with the devil. We want to be preoccupied with God and what Jesus has done. But we, we need to be aware where, where he attacks us. And I pray, God, that you'll give us a new awareness. As we move through this series, Lord, that you would give us victory upon victory upon victory. As we, your people of God, live victoriously above the enemy. Satan is out to destroy every one of us personally, destroy the church, destroy this church, destroy our, our country. And we stand today victorious and declare by the, by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that we will not be beaten. We win. And we're going to continue to live in that day in and day out as we move forward. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we?